We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented as always by DraftKings.com. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, January 17th. Uh, James, you and I skipped an episode last week. Um, you know, not a single person reached out to us and was upset about that, shockingly. Um, but we are back now. You've spent basically the last couple of weeks hammering away on the Roadwire 2019 baseball magazine. You guys are now officially done with that, as far as I understand. Um, can you refresh me again? Who made the cover? Did you go with Lindor? Uh, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. Uh, great Red Sox slash bowler. Yep. Correct? Both both correct. Uh, I did not contribute anything to this magazine for the like fifth straight year. Nobody reached out asking me to, to give any baseball expertise. Um, but you know, we'll start with a promo for that. So when will that be available? Uh 
I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> probably. It's called marketing? Probably in like <laughs> early February. I don't know. I'm okay. completely pulling that date. Uh, I, I don't know. I think so. What people should do basically is check your local bookstore every you, single day. You can you order it. it online. You can oh. order it from our website if okay. you want to just play it safe and make sure that uh, you get a copy before all the ones that went to printers are, are I'll, I'll off, read the, off shelves. I'll read the URL later. So there'll be like a digital <laughs> hyperlink that you can you can get from the podcast. Um, but yeah, that, that always turns out really well. Um, if you're into baseball at all, make sure to grab that. There's also digital copies. Uh, but this is an NBA podcast after all. So we're going to talk a little bit more NBA draft later in this podcast. You know, from for much of the year so far, we've only dedicated, you know, five or 10 minutes to that. Uh, but we'll get to some NBA items first. Uh, I want to touch briefly on the NBA All-Star third returns that are now back. Uh, we discussed the first returns uh, a few weeks ago. Not much has actually changed. LeBron is still the top overall vote-getter, a uh, little, just a little under $3.8 million. Uh, Giannis is a little under $3.7 million in the East. Kyrie is a little over $3 million. Uh, but Luka Doncic is actually third. So it's LeBron, Giannis, and Doncic are the top three. Um in a little more troubling news, Derrick Rose is still second among guards in the West, and Dwayne Wade is still second among guards in the East, and that doesn't look like it's going to change before next Friday's deadline. Yeah, I mean, the Dwayne Wade one sort of seemed like a lock when he got out to that early lead uh, just because the guys trying to catch him were just inevitably going to cannibalize each other like nobody they're all about the same so it's not like all the smart voters were going to all vote for the same guy so Zach Levine hasn't made a run right there the one like you know when you're comparing Wade Kemba Simmons Oladipo Lowry like Wade is the only one of those guys that has this consistent voter base you know like where that apparently the same people all just want to see Dwayne Wade like you know, rational fans, how do you even choose between those other guys? Whereas, like, the irrational right. fan, Dwayne Wade, easy call. Yeah, either Dwayne Wade is, has set up, like, a server farm somewhere and is, is just running votes 24-7 for the last few weeks, or the more likely lesson here is that I think international fans run NBA All-Star voting. Yes. You look at the names on here. Um, obviously, Wade, who's not an international <laughs> player, but uh, among you know what, uh, even among, like, star players, like current stars, he's still up there right. in terms of like international popularity. Derek Rose uh, also up there in that regard. Um, but when you have someone like Goran Dragic, who's ninth among guards in the East, he has more votes, like almost 100,000 more votes than Bradley Beal. Goran Dragic has not played in over a month. He has played 14 games this year. Uh, but the country of Slovenia is coming through. Like Pascal Siakam's way up there in the front court for the East. Uh, obviously, Giannis gets a big bump. Steven Adams has more votes than Nikola Jokic, <clears throat> which I, I guess in that regard, it's like European on like Australian or New Zealand crime. Um, but luckily, we do have checks and balances in place. I don't think we mentioned that when we first talked about these. It's not just fan voting, you know, so we do have 25%, <clears throat> excuse me, 25% media and 25% player vote, which I would like to say will save us from Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade starting. But honestly, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, I think, I think it will save us because, um, you know, Wade will get zero votes from the media, I would assume. And I mean, I can't, I just can't picture (laughs) that many players caring enough to vote Dwayne Wade into that game, but I don't know. um, Father prime. 
Do they love Dwayne Wade that much less than they love Kemba Walker or Ben Simmons or Victor Oladipo? I don't know. I think a cool takeaway from this is that uh, I don't know if he's going to start, but Luka probably is going to make uh, the team mm-hmm. one way or another, I would I would imagine. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at first, you know, I mean, well, part of it is these last two weeks, like he continues to just play better and better. So, you know, it went from, oh, that would be a fun story to like he's actually earned it numbers wise. It's it's really crazy that Harden. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just shame on everyone uh, who like it. it's shame on Travis Scott. Just like if you just had, you know, the, if everybody that voted for. Lonzo Ball to start this game had just voted for James Harden instead. He would be the lead vote getter among the guards. But for some reason, there are over seven hundred thousand people that voted for Lonzo right. Ball to start the game. <laughs> I think so. I think in the past, the NBA thought you know because voting numbers were were pretty low. You know, in like the mid two thousands, late two thousands, like people thought it was too difficult to vote. I, I think the NBA has now made it too easy to vote. Yes, where there needs to be like some sort of captcha thing where you can't vote on twitter if you have the words lonzo ball mvp season in your twitter handle or a team record in your twitter name i just don't get why like i don't think i mean i i just don't like fans really in general and like don't don't trust them i don't i don't respect their opinions so uh i really don't think fans should have a say in this at all um based on these results i mean that's pretty much all you need to to see to kind of uh see that that's that's a valid argument um but i also don't think players should have a say either uh because they've proven to be just as bad many times so well and when they didn't have a say they argued until they got a say and then i mean you saw the reports last year like their media members were like yeah they just handed out all-star ballots and half the team just like threw them away or handed them to an assistant you know they don't i think certain guys probably care but for the most part i think these guys don't take it very seriously right uh i mean i'd be fine i'd honestly would not even care if the league office just decided who played in the game yeah um i wouldn't care if the coaches decided i wouldn't care if the media decided the two people that should not have a say though are the players and the fans should we have more of a say yeah i think 25 percent gurus i think uh <laughs> nba nba gurus at uh random websites should definitely yes. have more say than the players and the fans okay so Earlier this week, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, of ESPN, reported that the Mavs were, yeah, I don't know exactly what term he used, but basically amplifying their efforts to trade Dennis Smith. And that didn't really come as much of a surprise. And I mean, Smith hasn't really played that badly numbers-wise. Like when, when I checked in on him after those reports came out, it was like his numbers were a lot better than I expected. He's gotten a lot more efficient this year, but he's still turning the ball over a ton. Um, and, and I think the bigger issue is that like Rick Carlisle, just doesn't like him and we've seen this happen with with players under rick carlisle before so the the mavs have basically been shopping him for the last week and a half and now tim mcmahon of espn reported today that they've basically kind of called off the trade search and it sounds like they weren't getting the return that they wanted i don't think they've decided that they want to keep dennis smith although that's how they're trying to frame it right um you know i think they use the words you know they want to mend this relationship which is all well and good um, but essentially it sounds like they weren't able to get the lottery pick that they thought they'd be able to get for a guy who won the lottery last year. So do you think, I mean, obviously it's, it was not in the Mavs interest for any of this to leak. So do you think it was just one of the teams, uh, that they contacted just immediately leaked it in hopes of either kind of 
preventing the Mavs from successfully turning him into an asset or to just try to lower his price to help their own ends. I mean, that Mm -hmm. seems like what happened here and it was a smart move by whoever leaked it because as soon as it got leaked then you basically like why why would you ever offer right close to what his like behind closed door market value should be when it clearly seems like they were pretty determined to move him so like i mean you like if you were the magic you know you wouldn't even have to offer a guy like Jonathan Isaac or a like top five protected pick. I don't think like, you know, I think the Mavs kind of played or right. once that, once that information came out, they were just not going to get the type of package that would make trading him uh, viable. And I think a lot of it also has to just do with the fact that he is, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you draft a point guard prospect and that prospect shows either um, some shooting efficiency flaws uh, major defensive flaws in Smith's case uh, both of those things and you have the kind of um, shaky teammate rumblings it's kind of like driving a car off the lot but like you know tenfold I mean like just his stock crashed as soon as he Mm. started playing in NBA games and the fact that he's a point guard, like most teams, even the really bad teams, have their own like flawed point guard that, like you know, I mean, the the Magic maybe don't have one, uh, the Suns don't really have one, but you know, both of those teams I think were pretty um, vocal about not really right. being that interested in Smith. So, well, I think both those teams want Dennis Smith for the right price i don't think that the the suns seem to like not want him at all they they like that that one reporter they have that's like buddies with sarver like came out and like said that they have zero interest in him which i think might actually be true well what was listed (laughs) listed orlando and phoenix initially you know on monday as the two teams that were you know most heavily engaged which you know i think if you circle if you just looked at all 30 teams and said who needs a point guard those are the two we've been talking about since like june since Mm -hmm. the magic just ignored the position and phoenix it sounds like has been trying you know they they were in on rosier at one point they've you know they've allegedly been in on smith they just haven't pulled the trigger i mean whatever bidding war that dallas hoped to be setting up has now been blown up by this right like I, i'm assuming that they're on the phone with orlando like yeah man we got two teams willing to offer us you know lottery protected picks you know are you are you willing to do better and now this report basically says no there none of these offers were ever on the table um the trade deadline is on february 7th which also is conveniently the day of the first televised all-star draft um would you say by february 7th is dennis smith still on the mavericks yeah because i just don't i think he's you don't think they're gonna cave and and you know do like a top 20 protected pick or something like that um i mean i don't even think they would believe that they that a top 20 protected pick would be worth more like i know they don't like Dennis smith but i mean he's more valuable than a top 20 protected pick and um you know i i think they rightfully would prefer you know there's there's plenty of um people that talk about the nba like uh, media people and i'm sure there are plenty of like scouts and front office people in the league that like dennis smith 
more notably more than the Mavericks do. And I think that that was their whole kind of angle here is like we are probably among the lowest people mm-hmm. on Dennis Smith that there is, but just you know, supply and demand dictated that even the teams that probably like Smith just don't need a point guard or, you know, some of the teams that need a point guard just didn't really like Smith that much Mm -hmm. and would much rather hold on to even like a pick that was going to likely fall in like the 10 to 15 range, at least that pick, they get to choose the player and they get to have the player for, you know, their entire rookie contract. So like, I think it makes sense that, um, you know, unless unless one of the teams that needed a point guard was one of the high teams on Smith, it makes sense that it kind of went this way. I mean, like, I think it's interesting to kind of compare this to, like, the Markel Fultz situation. Like, you know, maybe they just could have never – like, I, I, I thought they should have traded Fultz, like, or at least offered Fultz for, like, Terrence Ross straight up, and it seemed like they weren't willing to – take that little but maybe that little wasn't even on the table so right uh if they if like the mavericks can't get something useful for smith then i can't imagine the sixers are ever going to get anything useful right. for marco fultz well I, I mean, the longer that fultz sits out we were supposed to get an update on him like almost a week ago that just never came um i mean his value goes from already super low to even lower like i mean if, if they offered him right now for terrence ross type or like ken Bazemore to atlanta I mean, it has to be a team like that. I mean, I don't even know if Orlando considers himself out of it. Atlanta certainly is. Um, like, I, I think the the days are long gone of, like, hoping to get, like, a really good return that you feel okay about with Fultz. Like, at this point, you're just doing, like, as much damage control as you can possibly do, and that's going to be pretty little in the end. Yeah, so it's uh, – that, that, that draft is just such a – uh man, such a mess. I, just looking back on, like – the busts just littered up and down like that the lottery and some really really good players also mixed yeah. in like it's just a complete minefield uh trying to navigate that that lottery of that draft i mean when we talked about that draft you know we were uh, i was pretty high on it i think you were pretty high on it as well especially you know that top like seven eight you know they kind of cut off i think you know at dennis smith at nine was kind of the end of the first tier and then you get into collins monk Kennard. obviously donovan mitchell ended up being good at 13 um but the number one pick who is considered by far the safest of anybody is the biggest bust of them all Lonzo Ball at two still very much up in the air I'm still pretty in on Tatum I mean I know he's been a little bit disappointed but he's still gonna be really good Josh Jackson at four bust terrible big bust Fox at five looks bad at first now really good Isaac at six Fox is the best player from that you think he's better you take him over Tatum for the next 10 years I think I'd still take Tatum that's close though Marketing better than I thought. You were you were higher on him. You you saw through that one. Um, Neil Kina, did, did, I didn't have any kind of um, biases swinging me that way no. either. It was just pure, it's just pure eye, eye for talent. Yeah, yeah. it's just a, <laughs> it's what it was. Um, Neil Kina at eight, bust. big bust. Huge like bust. It, it's it's trying to rank the busts is <laughs> it would be a fun just the exercise. bust within the top nine and like. I, I don't know. Like, to me, Smith is not Neil Aquino. Like He's not that big of a bust. I think he's – like, I would much rather have Lonzo Ball than Dennis Smith. Yes. Um, I would much rather have Dennis Smith than, like, Josh Jackson. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Smith or Isaac? I would just take Isaac just for, like, the fact that he doesn't need the ball at all and he has a ton of defensive upside. Mm-hmm. Like, so even if, like – knowing that 
Isaac only being like a 24 minute a game all defense guy is one of his possible outcomes. I would still rather roll the dice with him mm-hmm. and his range of outcomes than Dennis Smith just because I just I just don't think Dennis Smith's ever going to be like a big time uh contributor contributor to winning. Um but I I actually think Lonzo Ball could be Oh yeah. I just don't He's been better. He's just like he's never going to be like an all-star but I think he could be one of those sort of sneaky guys that is, I mean, it, Lonzo Ball's not going to sneak up on anyone because everyone knows who he is, but like yeah. he could be one of those guys that like quietly really helps a team win games by doing mm-hmm. stuff that isn't like a traditional, like scoring, scoring the ball, shooting threes, that type of thing. So this kind of relates to Dennis Smith. Not really. Um, you know, just looking ahead to the trade deadline. Um, obviously Dennis Smith plays for Dallas. Dallas is one of those teams that's, yeah, I wouldn't say in the middle of the Western Conference. I mean, right now, you know, going into Thursday night, they're 13th, but they are only, you know, three games out of basically the eight seed. It, it's looking more and more, you know, even as Luka Doncic plays well, um, you know, like this team at best is like the seventh or eighth best team in the Western Conference. And like it would take a really, really strong second half to even get there. I mean, I, I, should they, are they a team that should kind of pull back? You know, I mean, Wes Matthews, DeAndre Jordan are two expirings that we've talked about with them. Obviously, they could swing some sort of deal involving Dennis Smith, maybe pair him with one of those two guys and, and try to get someone else. Um, the issue with them is their pick is top five protected. So if they fall anywhere outside of the top five, it goes to Atlanta. I don't know if they can get bad enough that they can feel good about the pick landing in the top five um no, so they, i mean they, they definitely can't no well that well that's the thing yeah i mean even they can finish last in the west or second last in the west and there's going to be six teams in the east they're going to have a worse record and with the new lottery odds you know maybe you're more willing to to play that than you would be in the past but they're kind of stuck in a weird spot where it, it kind of just makes sense for them you know to kind of to try to build for the future but not be too bad i guess if that makes sense like i think they just want to get this pick right it, you know pass this pick on this year and just not have to deal with it yeah, I mean the trying to make that pick worse doesn't actually benefit them. Like the, it's just you know maybe if you care about public perception of how that yeah, trade yeah. looks like five years down the road, but like if you're going to give it up, you're going to get whether it's six or twenty six. Like it doesn't help them at all. Uh, so I think all they can really focus on is like what sets us up best for the 1920 season, the 2021 season. Um, and that probably just means letting, uh, like if you could get any, like if you get a second round pick for those expirings, mm-hmm. that's fine, but you're not gonna. So you just, I think the move is to just hold those guys, let them expire. Uh, and then just, just see what you can do in, in free agency, see what you can do uh, a couple of years down the road. Does it make any sense for them to package like Smith and Wes for like Mike Conley? Or a player like that. I mean, it, I guess it kind of depends where where you view Doncic like positionally going forward. Well, I think Doncic and Conley would fit great together. Yeah. I just don't think that they're. Uh, I think the age gap is just too big for that to make sense as a pairing from that perspective. Just because, like, yeah, Doncic is way better than a lot of people thought he'd be as a rookie, but realistically you're not winning anything around Luka Doncic you know at least three four years down the road so by that time how good's Mike Conley going to be he's going to be pretty much cooked so like it it just doesn't make sense pairing those two right now as much as it would make 
you know, having Mike Conley on the team next year would definitely, you know, that would give them a chance to to make the playoffs and that'd be really fun, but mm-hmm. like they're not going to do anything with that and then it just kind of ties them up uh for the bad portions of that Conley deal. I agree. I mean, the pressure in a lot of ways is off of Dallas because they already have their guy. Right. You know, like when these last few years, you know, they've been in this uncharacteristic spot for that franchise of trying to find that player. You have it in Dodgers now. So like even even if they finish 10th in the West and they hand over the 13th pick to Atlanta, like it for most teams, like that's exactly what you don't want to do. You know, you don't want to be in that Detroit zone, but they already have their guy. You know, right. I think Mavs fans know, you know, the, what the long-term plan is. Right. The the worst thing you can do is like get your version of like Omer Ashik or Solomon Hill onto the books or, you know, Delavadova. Right. Like you, the worst thing you can do is start accumulating negative assets you just Mm -hmm. want to kind of let this thing grow naturally i mean they've been able to make guys like dwight powell and jalen brunson like quality like quality nba rotation players like it's not that hard to build around a guy like Doncic. you just can't have those big net negative deals on the books well and Doncic is the reason they're willing to deal dennis smith too i mean i i I think there are obviously reasons that you're willing to part with any top 10 pick but i think they'd probably be willing to give him more of a shot if they didn't have Doncic in the fold, like developing Dennis Smith is all of a sudden just not necessary. Right. And he's, uh, you know, I, I think the best, like the ideal version of a Dennis Smith, like is someone that could, could play next to Luca. But, um, I also think a lot of it is just the personalities involved. Like, I don't think, I don't think Dennis Smith and Rick Carlisle, like each other and i you know it's 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 whatever i mean it, it reminds me a little bit of Dion waiters when lebron came back to cleveland where they had taken him in the top four i think like the previous draft he played out his rookie year averaged like 15 a game you know it was Dion waiters so you weren't like thrilled about it but you know after after lebron comes back in Dion waiters third year with the Cavs. You know, they they tried it for what like twenty games, and then that was it. You know, like the 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 priority, like you're just willing to eat that asset when you have the superstar guy. You know, and and I think for other franchises, it's it's a lot harder to cut bait on someone that you invested in. Uh, but like, notice that they haven't asked Luca to fit with Dennis Smith. Like, it's like you're either gonna fit with this guy or you're gone, and it doesn't really go both ways. Yeah, I I think that they. Because there, there's no way, like there's no way they could have known when they took Dennis Smith. There's no way they could have known that they were going right. to be in a position to get Doncic, and uh, they rolled the dice on Smith. I think that was a good pick at the time. Just like see, you know, the guy's super talented, super athletic, has a lot of stuff that you can't teach, and you just kind of see if it, it, if the fit works, and if it doesn't, oh well, mm-hmm. you were picking eighth. Like it's not like you were. That was your best chance to draft right. a star there. And, you know, looking back, I'm sure they would have much preferred to even just take a guy like Luke Kennard or something like that or Zach Collins, you know, like, I mean, just somebody that would be a complimentary player, right? You know how much the Sixers would love to have Luke Kennard in this (laughs) roster right now? Oh, Oh, yeah. Luke Kennard. I mean, the the amount of teams that missed on Kennard, it's... (laughs) Did you see that clip of Kennard fighting with his coaches, dude? What is happening? Because um, (laughs) I think, wasn't he just pissed at how uh awful like drummond was playing and stuff like that i would be i don't know i don't i've I've looked for a follow-up on that and nobody seems to have asked i think he's just like looking around and blake was out that game like so when like blake's just like what are we doing when blake's not playing like luke Kennard must just be looking around and just 
Like, why Being is Bruce Brown so, playing 29 so, minutes So frustrated again? at the situation he finds himself in. All right, let's take a quick break so I can remind you once again this year, we've partnered up with DraftKings.com to bring you Rotowire six-month memberships for free. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, here's how it works. Go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Sign up for a new account on DraftKings and make a $10 deposit or more. At that point, you'll get free six months of access to all the tools and sports on rotowire.com. That includes our optimizers for all sports, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, all of our DFS content, and much, much more. You get all that for $10, and you can use that money to enter it into DraftKings contests and win even more money. If you want access right away, go to that URL, rotowire.com slash DraftKings, rotowire.com slash DraftKings, and follow the instructions on the page. Eligibility restrictions apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. Did you catch any of Boston-Toronto last night? That was the ESPN uh, early game. I saw bits and pieces. Okay. Um, noted scorer, Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. played very well. I would say arguably his best game since coming to Boston. I think he had a career-high 18 assists. Mm-hmm. I had a couple huge shots um, in, in classic Kyrie fashion at the end of that game. But... By far the biggest story uh, was was Kyrie's candid comments after the game about calling LeBron James for advice as well as to apologize to LeBron for basically doing to him what he thinks Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier have been doing to him uh, this year. I am very curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think for the most part, the the reactions that I've listened to and, and read are pretty rational there there's been some boston media that just kind of took this as like well Kyrie's now a leader he's seen the light <laughs> well he made I think the in, call in some ways i think if he had not leaked this or <laughs> bragged about it basically <laughs> this is this would be a big step you know i think that like calling lebron and apologizing is a pretty big step telling the reporters that you did that and then praising yourself for it uh what didn't was, really give give, give like, me the, the exact give me that quote okay. of him uh congratulating himself okay so here's the quote <laughs> Uh, This comes via ESPN write-up from Tim Bontemps. Quote, Obviously, this was a big deal for me because I had to call LeBron and tell him I apologize for being that young player that wanted everything at his fingertips and I wanted everything at my threshold. Don't really know what that means, at my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to a championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that. And the responsibility of being the best in the world and leading your team is something that is not meant for many people. LeBron was one of those guys who came to Cleveland and tried to show us how to win a championship, and it was hard for him and sometimes getting the most out of the group is not the easiest thing in the world. End quote. What was the line where – did you say the line where he uh, says that it it takes like a big man to make that call or something like that? Um, oh, oh, like yes, about yes, himself? Yes. Like it <laughs> – Well, there's, there's like so many as I'm scrolling through that I want to read. Some of these are too long. But, yeah, the one you're talking about is, quote, it takes a real man to go back, call somebody, and be like, Hey man, I was young. I made some mistakes. I wasn't seeing the big picture like you were. I didn't have the end of the season in mind. See, like you rarely see like the the whole like it takes a takes a real man or it takes a big man. Usually that's the person telling the person like that they're being a big man. It's rarely used as a like yep, takes a real man to do what I just did. <laughs> a real man like myself. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at least nobody in the media was freaking out about this Celtics team or Kyrie Irving or anything like yeah. that. Um, he was on the trade block 24 <laughs> hours ago. 
I mean, he was definitely definitely going to leave leave town <laughs> to the Knicks uh, until that chat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the sky is probably not falling in Boston. Uh, I still think that they uh, have to be considered a top four contender to win the finals right now. Would you? I to me Ooh, this leadership in place. <laughs> well, yeah. Now that yeah, now that Kyrie made that call to LeBron and knows what it's like i think that they're headed in the right direction but i mean to me it's like the warriors and then in some order well no i think it's the warriors then the raptors and then in some order the bucks and the celtics for the top four teams in terms of title odds in my opinion so is is there anything that the bucks can do to be considered the best team in the east like record wise they've been there you know obviously the raptors got them in milwaukee i don't think there's anything they can do until they make the finals to no, be considered I, because I, I just don't I don't know how you can give that team the playoff benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. over uh over a proven playoff winner like the Toronto Raptors. Well, well I mean Kawhi Leonard <laughs> no, know. we know that Kawhi Leonard uh can be the best player on a championship winning team we know that uh Kyrie Irving is completely unstoppable in the playoffs. If the air conditioning doesn't go out in San Antonio in 2014, you know, who knows? I mean, that they, <laughs> okay. Do you really want to go down this road? <laughs> this, this whole, all right. Um, yeah, hunker down here another <laughs> two hours. Uh, but I mean, I, I just think that the, I think the Raptors are just straight up a better team than the Bucks. Uh, I know that the, you know, see, regular season um net rating and everything like that favors milwaukee i just think once the the playoffs come around like the the raptors just have a a depth chart i I trust a little bit more i think you could make a case the bucks are better than the celtics um sure i just i don't really buy them being the favorites in the east over the raptors i think the raptors are really really good uh but i do think the Bucks match up well with the Warriors. I think the Bucks are better than any of the Western Conference teams besides yes. the Warriors. So in that sense, they're very much in the mix. And yeah. it's it's going to be interesting. Like I can't wait to see the Eastern Conference playoff bracket just to kind of see because uh, somebody's going to have an advantage. Like when that comes, well, that out. and two of those top five are playing each other as a right. four or five. Right. So you know. I, Part of me hopes Indiana's in there just because I, I consider them like a half tier below the other four. And they're just they're not. just less fun. To, yeah, they're just less fun. Like uh, like, Bo- I like Bojan Bogdanovich. I don't need know, to see player. multiple rounds of Pacers. No, no, no. We, we almost we were almost subjected to that last year. Thank <laughs> God. But no, I mean the more like especially listening to podcasts like you people talk about the Warriors and you know the offhanded remark is always like well you know if they meet the Raptors like it's never if they meet the Bucks like it, to me like the prevailing best team in the East is is Toronto in people's minds. And I, I think that's like, I agree with you that they, they've at least won a playoff series with this core and you're swapping out a big piece of that core for a better piece. So I understand that argument. Um, I think there is some belief too, that like, I wouldn't say gimmicky is the right word, but like the way that Milwaukee is, is winning with this completely different style, their center is running around like Antoine Walker in 2006. Like it, it to me, it does feel a little bit like people want to see it happen in the playoffs before they're really willing to buy in on Milwaukee. And it's not uh, the first, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, Budenholzer had right. a dominant regular season team that okay. flamed out in the he had playoffs. Four all-stars on that team. So he had five simultaneous players of the month on that team. <laughs> um, like if you're playing the Bucks in a seven game playoff series versus 
playing them on like a Wednesday night in the regular season, uh, I just think you're going to guard them incredibly different uh, than yeah. you would. I mean, like you're just going to be so far off Giannis yep. while like kind of having a wall ready for him if he wants to drive. Like, yep. and then you're also going to be type of situation. Like, and you're going to do the same thing with Eric Bledsoe. Like, you're just going to make Giannis and Eric Bledsoe. Yep. either shoot wide open threes or pass up wide open threes all series long and yep. just I don't know how that's going to play like maybe the Bucks are ready for that maybe like Giannis is just they, maybe they the other three guys are good enough shooters that mm-hmm. you're able to make it work but um, that always happens in the playoffs and when you have your best player can't shoot uh, that's just that's yep. an issue and that's not an issue the Raptors have or an issue the Celtics have. Yeah, I mean, Philly was red hot going to the playoffs last year, and it looked like a completely different team when right. they got to round two. I, th- I think there's a little fear that that could happen with Milwaukee. Okay, draft stuff. Zion Williamson, at this point in the year, um, is about as big of a lock to go number one as we've had in a while. I, I'm still not 100% ready to put it in Sharpie because we've seen year after year, you know, somebody cl- ends up closing the gap late, you know, whether it's, you know, um, Towns, I guess, passing Jaleel Okafor, who was a big lock, um, you know, middle midway through the season. But I mean, night to night, I mean, Zion has become more than a prospect, more so than any of these big time guys have been. You know, and, and I think you know how popular recruiting is and, and things like that. Now, you know, these guys are kind of celebrities before they get to college basketball. But Zion's on a whole nother level in that regard, and I think that's that's going to keep him afloat, even if his play does tail off at any point, which is showing very little signs that it ever will. You know, some mock drafts I've seen have Ja Morant as high as two ahead of R.J. Barrett. I, I still think it's Zion and Barrett um, on the, on their own one-two tier. I think there are some people who would take Barrett over Zion. I'm iffy uh, on that camp. I mean, there are certain teams certainly that, that could use R.J. Barrett. Uh, but those two to me are, are at this point locks to go one and two. I, I feel like Morant is making a pretty strong case to be number three. You know, I, I think the small school thing will eventually, you know, catch up to him in some regard, but no one else has really made, you know, has made a run at, at that spot. Like he's played his way to number three, you know, if you're making your top 100 or your mock drafts, whereas, you know, guys like Keldon Johnson, Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish have, have been good, but they haven't been great to the point that Zion, Barrett, and, and Morant have been. Yeah, I, to me, it's it's a clear one too, but uh, it's kind of a weird one too in that neither guy is a true big man, but both guys have significant questions about their ability to shoot. Mm-hmm. Like R.J. Barrett, I I would be probably in the camp that was making an argument that it shouldn't be a, a open and shut. Zion goes one if Barrett was shooting how I expected him to shoot, like he's, you know, forget about the the three point shooting. He's shooting like 32% from three. He's not even shooting 70% from the line, which is not something I expected to be uh, a thing. And like a lot of people have, you know, I think there are studies that show that free throw percentage is an, is an even bigger indicator uh, for three point uh, shooting in the NBA than, than three point uh, percentage in college. So, uh, I'm definitely worried about Barrett's. Uh, I mean, he to 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 take him over Zion, you have to be pretty sure that he's he's going to turn himself into, you know, 37, 38 three point shooter. And 
I just don't see any reason to think that that's going to happen, at least not in his first two or three seasons. So uh, to me, I would just go with the guy with uh, that can do the most without shooting threes, and that's that's Zion uh, for sure. And But then, yeah, I think Barrett, clear number two. And, you know, a pretty good number two by historical standards, right? Like, uh, yeah. Like there's – 23, seven and four. Yeah. With just a, a ton of pedigree. Um, yeah. It's, it's tough to, tough to argue that if you, if, I mean, everyone that all the teams that go to the lot, this is going to be a really fun lottery to watch because the team, you know, when they go, they go down from like 14 all the way down to one, the team that gets like three is just going to be so pissed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. And the team that gets one is going to be so ecstatic. Cavs, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and and I should just announce that at like halftime of the all-star game. Like, <laughs> oh, by the way, the Cavs, the Cavs, will Cavs get the pick. we're just going to end this now. <laughs> um, well, and I think there's basically a 0% chance Zion doesn't go or a 100% chance he goes one just because of the ownership factor. Like no owner, oh. no owner is going to let their GM not take Zion. At Dan one. Snyder forced them to take Colin Sexton. He's forced them to take <laughs> Zion. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he's going one. I think Barrett's going two, but yeah, Morant is where it gets really interesting to me. Uh, are you so everyone basically says like it's a bad draft after the top two? Are you in that camp where like bad as in you know not as good as last year, not as good as the year before? Okay. Um, I, I forget who I heard make compare it to the um, Simmons Ingram year. I think that that's a interesting comparison. Just in, and I would even say that year to me the guys three through like 10 or whatever going into the draft I was probably higher on them than I am guys three through 10 in this draft but like I like that comparison just in the, yes. the sheer drop off a cliff right. there is after two into in, into a collection of like seven or eight guys where there's just no consensus mm-hmm. on it all and it totally depends who's picking there as to who's going to go three for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good comp in terms of the structure of the draft. I, I would push back a little bit on that, you know, three through 10 range. Like, it's hard to kind of rewind to 2016 and, you know, kind of put our heads in the spaces that we were at then. But I don't remember being super high on like Thonmaker, who went 10, Pirtle went nine, Bender went four, you know, Heald went six. Like, I, I think it's pretty comparable. I, I wouldn't say this draft is worse in any way. Um, at the very least, it's probably a wash. And I think this one might be better. It's- um Oh, go ahead. It's definitely. I think it's definitely going to be one of those drafts where, you know, I think the the top two guys are going to be good. Um, but like, well, you'll look back, you know, three years later, and like three through fifteen, there will be like two or three really big hits in there where, you know, someone like Jared Culver, someone yeah. like Cam Reddish, Kelvin Johnson, whoever, like ends up being really good like I think a, jamal like murray a, is kind of that type of yeah like somebody a, who showed a lot of flashes but was by no means in consideration to go in the top three yeah like a really a really high quality starter yeah there's going to be a few of those guys but then there's just going to be a few complete busts like guys yes. that just are not even considered for starting right lineup uh like totally a year agree. after they get drafted so, well, that, so many of these guys i mean culver somebody you mentioned like he hasn't exactly been on every NBA radar since he was 16. You know, like a lot of these guys are, we're just like kind of limited as far as what, you know, you're, you're kind of, a lot of these evaluations are going to be based on a season and a half of college basketball, more or less. You know, you look at a lot of mock drafts and like, this is a year more so than any, I think in recent memory that a lot of the names that are going to come off the board in the top 15 
are not going to be household names, even to, you know, pretty big NBA fans or casual college basketball fans. Like, I mean, you got, you look at some mock drafts, the one I'm looking at right now, there's players from Virginia Tech, Murray State, Western Kentucky, Stanford, and Arkansas in the top 10. You know, like, I, I don't think the, the average NBA fan could name who any of those guys are. So it's, it's going to be a little bit more of a crapshoot in that range. I agree. I will say I like, I like number three, uh, John Morant, more than I like number three in that 2016 draft, who was Jalen Brown. And obviously he's been okay. Um, but I, I, I think Morant is going to be really, really good. I, I'm going to kind of stake my, my claim on that. And you, you kind of have as well. Uh, he has some bus potential, any player, you know, with limited evaluation, small school has bus potential, but you know, I think he has, he has the ability to be a guy who could end up being a big time steal at three, four, five, you know, like Damian Lillard was coming from a small school, you know, in whatever draft that was 2013, 2014. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think I, I don't think Morant's gonna be as good of a player as I think Jalen Brown's gonna be. Um, but I probably liked him more going into this draft than I liked Jalen yeah. Brown going into that draft. Like Jalen Brown just has been a lot better than I thought he'd right. be. Um, I this is kind of like a scout a scout's dream though, right? Like the just you know a dozen wings they're like basically all wings and you have to try to figure out which ones are going to be good and which ones are going to be busts and it's just just strictly player evaluation because we know like about half of them are going to be bad we know about half of them are going to be good and Mm -hmm. they're there it's all that position of need like there's not a ton of big men i love that about this draft i hate drafts where there's like a few big men going in the top five right i mean it's a reflection of where the league's going right and um you know there aren't many point guards which i also kind of like like you're not going to deal with too many teams taking a point guard because they need a point guard Mm -hmm. it's just a bunch of wings and uh yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting draft night i think there's going to be some teams that that really hit it out of the park at like Mm -hmm. out of the nine spot or whatever but uh, yeah if you're one of these there's these five terrible terrible teams right now and only two of them are going to get the prizes of this draft so um that's going to be pretty fascinating to see how it plays out is there a team that you like that you're like secretly rooting to not get barrett or (laughs) zion because you don't think they deserve it i mean i feel like Uh, any of those teams could qualify for this so well yeah i mean i don't think any of them deserve it um (laughs) i mean if anything all of them deserve not to get them so to to be clear we're talking about the hawks knicks suns bulls and Cavs right yeah and i mean those those five are kind of in their own tier of of horrific uh yeah play um so the really the only case for the hawks not deserving it is just that they gave up a chance to take Doncic. right um but they you know i kind of i you know i don't respect it at all just because of the fact I strongly disagreed with the trade at the time, but I also respect the fact that they they were just like, this is we like Trey Young this much, and we're gonna just go out like you know. I mean, I respect it too. I just, I just hang wouldn't out have done there. that for Trey Young, right? Right, exactly. Like we I love tractor trailer. We don't like this dark guy. <laughs> like I don't respect the Bucks for that. <laughs> no, um, but I mean that's that's the only knock against the Hawks. The Knicks, yeah, right. obviously, there's a ton. Uh, examples why they don't deserve anyone good anything good to happen to them but um the suns definitely don't deserve anything good i mean that that's well documented uh the bulls 
man. You know, signing Zach Levine to that deal, that you don't really get to deserve much after you do that. But I think having Zion or Barrett on that team, I mean, at least their nucleus is kind of interesting. Same with the Suns, I guess. Um, I mean, all these teams except for the Cavs have yeah. interesting young guys. I just don't want either guy to go to the Cavs because I, it's already so fun to just never watch the Cavs. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to, like, watch them because, like, well, one of those two guys. Well, and the other thing with, like, Zion, to me, and maybe some people would disagree, like, I don't think he's an instant franchise changer in terms of wins and losses. Like, he's not going to have a Doncic-level impact where he takes a pretty bad roster and makes them, you know, close to league average on a lot of nights. If not, you know, the Mavericks have a lot of good wins. Like, this Cavs roster plus Zion isn't all of a sudden going to be, like, a 30-win team. Like, they're still going to be horrible. And I, I kind of want to spare Zion from that. Like, I would like him to play with some competent players. Like, the Bulls at least have that. The Suns, like you said, have that. The Hawks have already won more games this year than I thought they would. Um, like Cleveland to me is like by far the worst situation in terms of ownership, management, coaching, and roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where do you think is – I know you asked this recently for a roundtable article. I did not check to see what your answer was to the question, but what? where do you think is the best fit uh, for Zion? Because there's, there's a lot of cases yeah. as to why he doesn't fit. Like – he doesn't fit next to John Collins. He doesn't fit. Uh, I mean, there's no point guard to get him the ball in New York. There's, well, you know, the he doesn't fit he... next to Aiton. He doesn't, uh, I mean, he kind of squeezes one of Markinen or Carter out. Right. In, in well, the Chicago. question is, is he good enough that, like Doncic, you just say, doesn't matter. Like, all of a sudden, this is our guy. We make people fit around him. Like our... I think so. I think, I mean, I don't think, yeah, I think you take him over Barrett no matter what. Yeah. Like, no matter what the fit is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I agree. I don't think teams will be drafting fit. I mean, and the other thing with Zion is, like, we don't really know what position he'll be. You know, there's kind of this unknown. Like, there's no team that's like, oh, we already got two Zions. We can't we can't take this guy. Yeah. I I mean, so, like, the Suns with Aiton and the Hawks with Collins and the Bulls to maybe a lesser extent do have guys yeah. where, like – The Bulls are interesting because they've taken two straight front court guys right. in, the, in the lottery. Um. But they don't have, <clears throat> like, if you had Markinen, Zion, and Carter, that would be an awesome front court of the future. But then you look at the guys that would be charged with getting those guys the rock, and it's like Chris Dudd and Zach Levine, and then you're all of a sudden like, are, they, Blank, are we even going to get this guy the ball? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, well, what do you think of the one comparison I saw for Zion recently was Blake Griffin. You know, like, is he going to eventually – be a guy who can facilitate in the half court to some degree and, you know, can average four or five assists, you know, from the four spot. Like, do you, do you necessarily um, need someone to get him the ball maybe right away? So I don't, I don't think he'll be as good of a passer as Blake necessarily, but I think he'll be a much better defensive player. Um, Just like weak side rim protection. I mean, yeah, Blake never did. Blake no, never no. did that. Even when he ever. was at his peak yeah. athletically, it was never even a consideration. No. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, do you have anything to say on Redditch or Nas Little? Uh, they should have sat this year out. Uh, <laughs> they like we we were joking before we started recording. Like Darius Garland's stock is up. Bull um, bull. <laughs> by the time the draft rolls around, his stock like he's going to go in like the top seven yeah. or something. And if you're not aware, both these players are done for the year <laughs> right. with injuries, um, with pretty serious injuries. Like Siku Dumbuya, like 
overseas, like he, he's just moving up yeah. boards because all these other Getting college guys in. are just sucking. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean the the fact like Darius like ESPN has Darius Garland seventh on their board right now, basically just because like a lot of guys have just fallen down. Um, Reddish. Okay, so I wanted this is what I wanted to ask you before we um, close it out. What do you think Cam Reddish <clears throat> is shooting from the field this season? Hundred <laughs> percent. No. No. Uh, um, Forty-five. Thirty-eight point two. Thirty-eight from okay. the field. I should have known you wouldn't be asking if from he was the shooting field. From, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, not bad from three. I mean, he's shooting like, like I think it's just that over half his shots are from three, but still. Uh, yeah. To me, he reminds me a little of like Jalen Brown, not as a prospect at all, but like in terms of how he's viewed. Like Jalen Brown was a big time, big time recruit. Went to Cal. Didn't really play all that well. Was you know I would say did not live up to expectations. Was fine, but did not live up to top five, top three by some services recruit expectations. And I feel like Reddish is going to do that the rest of the year. He's going to have some moments. You know, he hit, hit a big shot uh, a couple of games ago for Duke to give them a win. He's going to have moments like that. He'll have random games where he hits six threes, but like he he can't even play his way out of the top ten at this point. You know, I think he already would have by by some regards, but like no one else is there to to take that spot away from him. So, so if I had to ask you, Cam Reddish, uh, Nas Little, UNC, and uh, Romeo Langford from Indiana, one of those guys is going to end up being an all-star, and one of those guys is going to kind of be this draft's Marquise Chris, where he's just completely a nothing like two years into his career. Who, who Wait, do you so have making the all-star team, and who do you have being a bust? Reddish, Little, and Langford? Ro- Romeo Langford, yeah. <sighs> I say. I feel like Reddish is a good enough three-point shooter, but like that is might be all he does. I think he's probably has the most bust potential. Like I like, I think Langford's more physical. He's more athletic. You know, even if he's not the greatest shooter, he'll he'll still find ways to be effective. And little, like I don't know. I really have no idea. I've watched a lot of UNC. They've been on a ton nationally this year already. And like he he doesn't look out of place. Like when he's on the court, he looks fine. He's always good for like one blow by dunk mm-hmm. that that kind of makes you think per game but i mean at this point in the year like we're pretty much halfway through the schedule if not more and like i just don't i don't think he's gonna start playing 30 minutes a game and giving us a real chance to evaluate him so like little to me is still the biggest mystery but reddish i think somehow still has more bust potential yeah it's it's uh pretty fascinating because all three of them have enough upside to be all-stars like to be the clear third best player from this draft or even the clear second best player from this draft but you know uh langford can't really shoot right now um people some people think he will be able to shoot but if he if he just never shoots and never like these guys would almost have to turn themselves into like marcus smart to be to be good players if they can't shoot uh not as little yeah i mean the fact that he can't get more than like 18 minutes a game or whatever Mm -hmm. at unc is a little concerning uh i i think i'd probably still take i might take cam reddish over john morant even after all the stuff we said why um i just think that they're like i mean he's averaging like two steals a game in like a little over john morant jumped over a man less than a week ago cam reddish could do that has he 
I haven't seen it <laughs> until he's until he's able to prove it. Now that that smart comparison is kind of what I thought about with Langford. Um, you know, they're not really the same player at all. But Marcus Smart was not this Marcus Smart in college. Like this would be if you would have told me after like during his sophomore year at OK State, like he's basically going to be Tony Allen in the NBA. Mm. You'd be like, what the hell? Like that, that that would be a huge disappointment. And somehow it really hasn't been. I also I this is a out of nowhere uh, take for you, but I'm ready. I. I might vote for Marcus Smart for Defensive Player of the Year. I thought you were going to say All-Star, but like, okay, that's okay, I guess. I don't know who else it would be. Well, like, you know, Paul George is, he get, is getting some love. Like I think Gobert Giannis, is going to creep back in there again. Gobert. Jazz about the best defense for like the last month. I was watching uh, the Celtics-Pacers game like a week ago, and he was just really, really embarrassing. Like uh, Thaddeus Young tried to post him up. Thaddeus Young's got like three inches on him, you know. Like he Not, tried probably more than that. Yeah. He tried to do like a kind of a turn around jumper thing, and like Marcus Smart just jumped and like grabbed the shot out of the air and just like started the fast break. Like yeah. it was just really he's, humiliating stuff. I mean, the fact that he's he's continued to just get worse and worse as a shooter, and like <laughs> and still has no restraint. Like he still shoots way more than yeah. he should, and still plays like thirty minutes a game on a team that's loaded with guards says a lot he's just a terror like it that that's why like this Celtics team like they totally could win the finals this year because like you Marcus Smart could win them like two games in one series like that's that's in play and that Mm -hmm. no other team has a defensive player that could do that yep all right we'll wrap it up there uh enjoy the weekend we'll be back next Thursday